Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Uh, today's episode is another edition of our Q&A. Uh, we get tons of questions uh, from our clients, from prospects, from listeners to the podcast. And so uh, every couple of episodes, we love to dive into those questions uh, and do our best to address them and, and give you the answer uh, either that you're looking for or maybe that you're, you're not looking for. So hopefully you enjoy the episode. Taylor, today we're actually doing one of those episodes where we go back and look at some of the feedback we've gotten from our listeners. Um, we have listeners that are sending in questions or making comments that are uh, probably a, a question that we did not address on a particular episode. And we also get you know some of these questions from our, our clients as well. So we're going to use this time to uh, try to answer about five of those questions that we, we saw were com- somewhat common. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening to this episode and you have some questions that you want to submit or something you're, you're struggling with or trying to understand or even get just some some backup, right? When you're talking to, you know, your your CEO or your marketing director and you want us to kind of get, you know, put our opinion in there, uh, please send those in. We'd love to get these questions. We love to do these episodes where we address questions from the listeners. So uh, the first question we have, Sam, I'll let you answer this first, um, is uh, do keywords still matter in SEO? And this is something that people ask all the time, or sometimes even, um, you know, if I'm meeting with a client or a prospect, uh, not so much of a question as, as a statement of, well, you know, keywords don't matter so much anymore. Keywords aren't important anymore. So what are your thoughts on that? Do, do keywords still matter when it comes to your website and to search engines? Well, I don't know if the if the conversational language is ever going to go away unless we stop communicating in words. I don't think keywords are ever going to go away, right? That's my thought because I think the the deeper question that they have is they're just thinking as machine learning is getting better, you know, natural language processing is getting better, um, search engines are are making sense of what the context of a, a what, what's on a website or on a page. And that, that means that they don't necessarily need to incorporate keywords into the context of a website. And so that's where I think the, the logic is. But at the end of the day, people are still querying things to Google and you need to have answers to those queries in the context of your website, which ultimately will require incorporating keywords. So it yeah. is no longer about stuffing words uh, to kind of trick the system, but it's about really answering the questions of the prospective customers and customers that are asking those questions to Google. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Um, I think there's it's a no-brainer that keywords are absolutely important, um, but it's not the same as that it used to be, right? And as you mentioned, keyword stuffing, the days, the days of if we want to rank for, you know, whatever, grain-free dog food, and you just put that keyword uh, in the title tag and in the meta description and, you know, write 200 words and you rank automatically because you're the only one out there writing about that and that has that keyword in there, those days are gone, right? There's so much more content out there and Google is getting so much smarter, as you mentioned, with machine learning and understanding uh, not just what the content is about, but the context of that content and the intent of the user along with all the other data around how similar searches have uh, the content that they found in the content that Google has put at the top of the rankings and how they interact with those websites. There's so much data and everything is happening so fast that simply adding a keyword to your, your page or you know, adding the keyword in within the context of the blog article or the title tag 
that alone is not going to get you to rank, right? But that means it doesn't mean that you can ignore that, right? It means actually that you have to focus even more on the quality of your content, the depth of the content, um, making sure that we address all of the different questions that our audience may be asking. Uh, we may not have to be as direct. Google can interpret things a little bit more. So we don't have to put, you know, every variation of a keyword. Um, back in the day, people used to put like misspellings of a keyword, right? Because people might misspell it. Like Google's caught up and is smarter than that now. Um, so keywords aren't the same as it used to be, uh, but keywords are absolutely important. Uh, and like I said, there's even more data now around how people are are searching and what people are searching to to support that. Yeah, and I think one thing for us marketers to need to start thinking about is we're becoming more and more of a publication than just a business operating to just serve uh, whatever product or service that we have. So I think content is becoming even more an integral part of the overarching marketing strategy that, you know, don't get hung up on the keywords, just get really focused on helping the customer and then answering addressing the, the yeah. addressing the question. Yeah. And, th and that's really, maybe that's the, the takeaway is the keyword is always important because as you mentioned, the keyword is how we're searching, right? Now, what's more important is how you address that search, that keyword. Mm -hmm. So it's less about putting that keyword on your website. Like, yes, you need that, but you need to address, you need to do the research around what people are searching and then create content that addresses those keywords. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's always just putting the buyer in mind as you thinking about, you know, and also it's just how would the buyer describe the product or the service or the pain? Because I think we get hung up on our jargons, uh, internal corporate jargons or our industry jargons. And sometimes our customer may not know how to phrase that. Um, yeah. So addressing those questions and not always um, trying to think that, oh, our customers are going to describe our product this way because we, you know, we branded it this way or we have a trademark for our product because sometimes yeah. not all the customers know about that. So keeping that in mind as well as you create content. Sure. All right. Um, well, a second question that we have here is something again that we get all the time, but um, specifically, the question was, what metrics should I measure? And I think, you know, I'll, I'll lo love to hear your answer on this, but maybe to clarify what the person might have been asking, um, I guess what what metrics you measure or what metrics do you optimize for? How do we how do we track progress? And I think there's a lot of it's a bit of a, a vague or broad question, but I think there's a lot of a lot of good topics we can cover here. So, Sam, what would you say if someone says, you know, what metric should I measure with my marketing campaigns? I think, yeah, like you said, I think the clarification is in there in terms of what they were actually trying to measure. But if I were to really give an answer, my, my thought would be this one, because it really comes down to the tactic and also just the overall uh, strategy that's being employed. Uh, what, what I mean by that is you have leading indicators and lag measures. So if I'm really just looking at as a top level, as an organization uh, executive member, all I really care about is, uh, is my sales numbers going up. And if so, there are some leading indicators that lead to that, right? So if I'm from a sales side, I might be looking at, hey, do we have enough deals in our pipeline? Do we have enough you know, conversations that are happening with my sales team? Do we have enough leads coming in? All of those are metrics that I would care about on the sales side. I think on the marketing side, there's also the lag measures and lead measures, right? So the, the lag measures would be like, hey, um, are there enough opportunities being created by sale, you know, marketing teams' efforts? Uh, are there enough sales qualified demos or inbound leads coming in from the sales effort? But there's also a lot of uh, leading indicators that, that will be more like if you're doing the specific tactics, like, let's say if it's an SEO strategy, 
you know, are my keywords ranking? Uh, is my organic traffic increasing? Uh, is my engagement on my website is better? And then if it's more so just more of an awareness sort of tactics will be, you know, do I have enough engagement on my social post or my, um, you know, there's enough attendees on my webinar. So all of those really do dictate what the metric that you would look at. That would be my answer. What were you thinking, Taylor? Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I think maybe if we could sum it up, it's like, you know, measure everything. Like I think you really should measure everything. Mm -hmm. But what you should optimize for is that what you refer to as a lag measure, which ultimately is revenue, right? Mm -hmm. So the closer to revenue, depending on your business model, the closer to revenue that you can actually measure, that's what you should optimize for. Um, so what that means is, you know, when we talk to companies and we're, we're doing all, you know, they could be coming to us and they say, we're doing social ads, we're doing Google ads, we're doing, um, you know, we're posting organically. We have a podcast, we're doing email campaigns. We have, we're writing content for SEO. And, you know, they, you can ask them like, well, what's working really well for you? You know, they might say, uh, well, paid search, or they might say, you know, Facebook ads, or they might say organic, right? Uh, and if you, if you say, well, why, you know, why is that working the best for you? And if the answer is essentially leads, like the cost per lead or the number of leads, without having any data to support that, what how many of those leads are turning into actual paying customers, right? Or what do we can what do we count as a lead? You mentioned qualified demos or you know qualified opportunities. Like then that makes more sense to me because that's so much closer to that end result, which is revenue, right? As marketers, we want to optimize for revenue, but at the same time, we can't control that entire sales process. So if we get, if we can have a consensus with the sales team to say these 10 leads, we had a legitimate shot of closing, right? These are really qualified opportunities. We're in the negotiation stage, whether we close those deals or not, that's what we should optimize for. So the channels that are influencing and sourcing those leads is what we should optimize for. Certainly we want to track everything else, right? We want to track keyword rankings. We want to track the cost per click and we want to track those cost per leads and those sorts of things. But I don't want to make decisions for the future of my marketing simply based on those micro KPIs or as you refer to them, the leading indicators, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that doesn't tell me the, the whole story. And uh, almost always, if you are taking a comprehensive approach and you're doing in, investing into all those channels that I just mentioned, uh, the number one and number two uh, campaigns are always going to be like, or, or sources rather for lead quality is going to be like organic search and probably a branded paid search campaign, right? Because all these other touch points are happening out there. And by the time your buyer's ready to talk to a salesperson, maybe they've interacted with all of your other awareness campaigns earlier on. And now they're going just typing in your brand name going to the website uh, and converting. And then we say, hey, only thing that's working right now is paid search, right? So you have to have the full picture. You have to look at some micro KPIs in the context of what that campaign is. Um, but we should optimize ultimately for that that end result um, as a collective effort of everything that we're doing. Yeah, I don't know if this is a good analogy. Something just came to mind. I think if you think back to the time, you know, when people were actually doing physical networking events, you, know, you go to a lot of events, you see one person for the first time. Well, you might just share, a shake, shake hands, say the name, walk away. But then you see the same person three, four, five, six times on all the other networking events in the area. You start to recognize them. You take their number one day. You actually have meetings with them. Maybe not, not necessarily meetings, sorry. You'll take their number. Then now you are able to greet them by first name and you actually know what they do and where they work. 
Uh, and then maybe like seven meetings later, then they're like, oh, you know, hey, Taylor, I, you know, I was thinking about you and can we set up a time to sit down? Um, you know, I think I want to learn a little more about how you guys can help me. So if you look at it, it's like all those initial activities may not mean much, but those activities and interactions are what made the trust to build. So in that same way, I think, you know, in the digital sphere, people are actually coming to your website, looking at it, you know, they might be listening to a your blog, you know, watching your you know video or reading your blog or maybe on your newsletter, seeing things. But they one day they're going to wake up and come to you directly and say, "Hey, I want I want to have a conversation." And then you're going to say, "Oh, everybody that comes to our website is just came directly because they knew our brand." Um, right. I don't know if that's a good analogy, but that's something just came to my mind. I think the you need to be doing everything, and sometimes you know some of those activities may not result into an immediate sale, but maybe it's six months, seven months later that you actually see that somebody actually took an action from multiple interactions they had with your brand. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified, or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right, so thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. I know you had some questions on your end. Yeah, I had a couple here. Um, one of them is basically says, you know, we uh, it's basically said we're we don't have a big budget. Uh, we're a small sales and marketing team. What can we do in the short term to build a strong pipeline? Yeah, this is a tough one and something we all the time um, in terms of companies, you know, not have saying like, Hey, we don't have a big budget. Uh, where do we invest? Like, what can we do? What's the most bang for our buck? Right. Um, and I guess the first clarifying question would just be like, what does that mean to you in terms of, you know, we don't have a big budget, right. Uh, you know, does that mean we're right now we can only spend $10,000 a month on, you know, ads or on an agency or on marketing, uh, or does that mean we can spend $500 a month? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, unfortunately there's, there's some threshold there, depending on your industry where, you know, probably maybe nothing, right. <laughs> maybe it's better to save your money. If you legitimately can't invest any money, you, you're not going to have enough volume to do what you're trying to do. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, there's some law of averages, uh, when it comes to your addressable market that you're trying to get in front of. So if you, if you don't have a huge marketing budget, um, then you have to start small and starting small is probably in direct contrast to the second half of the question, which was how do I build pipeline? Right. Mm -hmm. Because there's tons of things you can do that only cost your time, right? If you don't have any budget, you can create content, you can post on LinkedIn. Maybe you can create, you know, low budget videos internally. You can write blog posts. So there's tons of things that you can do all 
pretty much organic channels, uh, which inherently are not going to build pipeline in the short term. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe combine something with a sales strategy of creating original content, you know, webinars, podcasts, those sorts of things, and and have a sale, some sort of an outreach strategy to get your your key target accounts to show up to those and do more of a one-to-many sale. But again, it's when you talk about, hey, short-term building pipeline, no budget. Um, and this happened, we've had this conversation many times with companies of like, hey, we need to, we really need to just get three new clients, you know, next month or next quarter. Like that's our goal and nothing beyond that. To me, that's a sales strategy. Like pick up the phone and start calling people. Like if you, if you can, if you only can handle two, two clients and that's the goal, like to me, that's not a marketing approach. Um, and unfortunately I would say, yeah, you need, you, you need a decent budget that's sustainable for you to be able to test and iterate and, and scale things. Um, so maybe a bit of a, a flawed question or maybe not what every listener wants to hear, but realistically, I mean, it, it would be like, you know, saying, I think I actually heard the other day, you know, Grant Cardone or one of those real estate guys uh, on social media was like, you know, what can I do with five, I have a $5,000 I can invest in real estate. And his answer was like, nothing wait until it's $50,000. I mean, some things it's just not going to be worth your time. Yeah. I mean, I think the, if I can just, you know, be very frank as somebody who's looking short-term and want to build a pipeline and don't have a budget, I think there's a leadership overall perspective on right. what yeah, again, it's the wrong question, right? Is yeah. what I see in here, because I think if the leadership doesn't see, you know, investing into the business to grow and to build pipeline, that's not a short-term vision. I think that's just trying to survive problem, right? And you need to have a, a serious um, soul searching happening internally within that organization. Say, hey, we've played a lot of short-term games, but that's not how we're going to win, you know, right? Right? If we want to play, lo- you know, the long game and really win, um, win at this, then we have to have a long-term, you know, long-term investment into this. I think that's my perspective. I think a lot of times this is actually a, a leadership conversation more than like, let me just fix the short-term pipeline because I gotta I gotta meet the quota for the for the month or whatever that is. So that's my my uh, my thought about this. I think as business leaders need to start thinking about marketing as an investment, not as a cost center, and that why it's important to invest into building a strong brand, which leads to quality conversations that ultimately increases the the type of deals that, you know, the pipeline that you would have or the opportunities that you have, which would help your salespeople do a better job in closing deals. And you would ultimately see uh, your, you know, your sales cycle getting shorter and shorter and your deals getting bigger. And you're, you will be much happier as an organization and much more stable. And I think that's, it's, you know, seems counterintuitive. And sometimes, you know, that that the, the hard answer is that, I don't know. I mean, I think, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know Apologies to uh, whoever asked, asked this question <laughs> if, if it wasn't the answer you're looking for. But um, I, I agree that the way the, the question is phrased and it's not you're not alone. I mean, this is something we get all the time, but uh, it's indicative of, like you said, I think a leadership that that believes that they know they need to or thinks that they need to invest into digital marketing uh, because they see and they've heard buzzwords and they see other you know competitors doing it, but they don't truly understand why. If you don't truly understand why and the process behind it, then you're you're going to say, well, let's just dip our toes in the water, right? Let's yeah. just see what we can do, get some quick wins, and then go all out. And 
it, it doesn't always work that way. Yeah, it's like maybe try to go to gym once a week and see if I get six back, and then I'll really, really put some time in. Once I get three abs, <laughs> then I'll have to go for the other. Three. Exactly. I think this uh, this question that I have is almost probably the same, but uh, slightly different. It's just, hey, what channel is best for a company that's just getting started? Sure. Um, so yeah, I would say it's similar to what we said with the other question. And I don't think, and maybe again, if we were too harsh on the, the last question, it's because of the idea of, uh, what can we do in the short term to build pipeline, right? Um, there's a lot of things again, you can do with a small budget if you're just getting started. Um, if, you know, if it were me and I'm just getting started and I didn't have a ton of buy-in from leadership, or maybe I didn't have a huge budget as long, again, as long as you're not expecting immediate results, which you, you know, shouldn't be, especially if, but again, we're talking about things just getting started. I would just focus on creating content. I would create as much content. I would, I would sit with my salespeople and listen to the conversations they're having with sale with their you know potential customers. I would interview existing customers, ask them essentially questions to better understand the buyer's journey. And I would start creating content for every potential scenario within that buyer's journey uh, in whatever format that I, I feel like was best, right? And then put that content on your website and blog posts, create videos, create infographics, create uh, conversations on LinkedIn, uh, post you know all the time on LinkedIn. Again, there, there's no real hard capital expenditure here. It's just time. Uh, and it goes back to, again, that leadership question. Uh, you know, maybe if you're, if, if you're the only marketer in your department, right. Or you don't have a huge budget and your leadership is questioning, you know, why you're spending half of your day creating content that no one's reading. Um, then again, there's probably a leadership question, but there's tons of things you can do when just getting started. And that's always the foundation for any solid company that's, that's winning marketing is that they've created a ton of content that addresses their audience and helps them in their buyer's journey, right? You're not trying to force anyone into a funnel. You're not saying, let's run a lead ad on, on Facebook and send them to a landing page and get them to convert and have a drip, you know, drip campaign and a SDR is going to call them. That's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about really turning your company into the, you know, the Wikipedia for your industry, right? Essentially become a, a resource for your customer and help your customer. Yeah, and I think I agree 100% with what you said. I think uh, especially if you're just trying to pick one, I would uh, narrow it down by a channel where I believe my uh, prospective customers are hanging out the most. Um, so I think trying to win organically on SEO might be a very long game. Uh, trying to win the YouTube game might be a little bit harder uh, because of you know maybe your audience isn't that active there. But if you are, especially in the B2B space, maybe just honing in on LinkedIn and being very active there. That'll be my recommendation. But yeah, or, yep. organic content, just go all in on it. Yep. All right. And our last question for today, um, actually it's a similar theme, I guess, when we were picking out these, these questions, we sympathize with, uh, with this kind of theme here. But it is, again, something that we, we see a lot of times with the types of companies we work with. So question is, what should my first hire be in my marketing department? Um, so Sam, what would you say if you're, you know, let's just say you're a, a, a mid, mid-size uh, company uh, in the B2B space and you're trying to build a marketing department, uh, who do you hire first and how do you hire them? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, uh, if you're going to make that first hire, you need to think around a doer in one. Um, what I mean by that is there's a lot of marketers that are just strategists, but they don't really have the execution skills. 
But there's a lot of uh, people that are doers, but they don't have the big picture thinking capabilities. Um, so if you're going to be making that sort of a first hire, you need to have a combo person who's got the ability to think in big terms and big pictures and be able to have a big picture strategy and then be able to get into the weeds and actually execute some of those things. Um, so that would be what I would look for um, in a person. But to expect one person to do a whole lot of things is an unrealistic expectation. Um, so just be cautious of that. Um, you know, yep. one person cannot be the paid specialist, the SEO specialist, the, the marketing automation specialist, the content specialist, um, the big strategist, the data analyst, uh, and then also go design something and implement that on the website. And if you have that person, the one, you know, one person that can do all of those things, that's a unicorn. And uh, you might yep. be sacrificing other areas because that one person is trying to do too many things. Right. Yeah. When, when companies are at this point, a lot of times their question is, you know, do I build a marketing team internally or do I outsource to an agency? And I, again, I think that's the wrong question. Uh, I think you need both. And I think you just have to think logically around where, where is it more likely to have a specialist? Right. And what I mean by that is, let's say we're talking about our, our product, right? Because our product or our service, like who's going to be, where's the expert going to sit, right? Is the expert in our product and our service and our customer and understanding the buyer's journey, is that expert going to sit at a marketing agency or is he going to sit internally, right? He or she, right? And then same thing on, let's say, you know, paid search, paid social, SEO, web development, is, are we going to have a web development specialist? Does that make more sense for them to sit internally or at an agency? And that's the question that I would look at. So when you're building a marketing team, I would look at someone who has the capability to fully understand our business, our business model, become an expert, become a subject matter expert, and has the ability to communicate that online, right? Content writing, again, videos, podcasts, webinars, whatever that would be. That's the expert I need internally. And then what I need to build around that person is resources to promote that content. So someone who really understands how to promote that on paid and how to reach my audience via paid, someone who really understands, you know, marketing technologies and marketing automation, someone who really understands search engines and the ins and outs of that, right? Someone who understands search engines is not necessarily someone who's going to write that content for you. It's going to be the one that helps your content be found. So those specialty pieces, I think that's where it makes sense to outsource. Uh, but the expert, you know, the expert in marketing can sit outside. The expert in your, your field needs to sit inside. So the first hire I would hire is somebody who has that capability to create content and really understand your, your business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, the, as we are seeing more and more, marketing is becoming more complex with uh, a lot of technology and analytics and all of those things um, that pretty soon you're going to need a, a bigger team than just a one-man show. Uh, but in the meantime, you, you, see, you need those critical roles in, internal, you know, internal to the organization and yep. leverage expertise from outside uh, where needed. Correct. Yeah. And, and I would continue on that path as I'm hiring more. Like, again, continue. Where does it make sense for that? What do we need? Who, what do we need an expert for, for the next stage of our marketing uh, you know, growth? Where do we need those experts? And for a while, it's going to be, again, creating more content. Eventually, you may look at it and say, we're creating so, so many videos right now, if, if that's part of your strategy. And it makes sense for us to hire a video person inside. So we're going to move that expert from outside to inside, right? Uh, and you're going to continue to do that with different channels, technologies, all these things that you're doing. 
but that's really the question I would continue to ask is, you know, where does it make sense uh, to, to have that expert sit? Sounds good. Those are some really right. good questions. People are, you know, absolutely keep, keep submitting those questions. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, give us a like, subscribe, wherever you're listening, um, share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. Uh, we always enjoy that. And, and hopefully uh, if this is your first time listening, hopefully you enjoyed and come back next week. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that can help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.